All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to continue a study of Galatians, and we're specifically going to continue our study on the walk, on the walk. I tried to warn you when we first started this last Wednesday that we might be there at this verse 16 for a couple of weeks. Looks like we're going to be in here at least another week. Uh, it's that important. I really believe that. And I believe if you can figure out verses 16 and 17 and 18, you'll be an amazing Christian. And I've done my best in my, with my feeble mind with the guide and le leading of the Holy Spirit to try to figure this stuff out. Because I know if I can figure this out, I'll be a better Christian. Uh, what, how would you define a better Christian, Pastor? Well, I, I define a better Christian somebody who can keep their flesh under control. That's a great Christian. Now, the second part of that is, if you're going to let, let the, you're going to keep the flesh under control, then the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you. And you keep the flesh under control and you can walk in the Spirit, then you're automatically, I believe, you're automatically going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And that you're, what you're doing, when you're keeping the flesh under control, you're allowing the Holy Spirit, that new man that lives in you, to work out of you and to produce the fruit the Lord wants to do. You'll be able to do these things that the Lord will find pleasing. You'll get souls saved. You'll be kind. You'll be loving. You'll be all these things that we're going to read back there in verse 22. You'll do, be doing all that, but it won't be you. It'll be the Lord in you. It'll be the fruit of the Spirit. So look at verse 16 again. This I say then, Paul says, walk in the Spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. How do we walk in the spirit? Now I'm going to focus again on that walk, and we're going to do a study again on that walk. To walk, what does it mean just to walk? Think about it. We med let's meditate on that a little while. To walk. So I try to break this down like, to walk, to walk speaks to, when you see a kid walking, when you see a kid first trying to walk, what that kid first learns to do, the first kid first learns to do before he does anything, steps, does anything, that kid first learns to try to balance. So a walk with the Lord, a walk in the Spirit, is a, it, it speaks to balance. So, Christian, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you need to be balanced. You, know, you don't need to be overdoing anything. What I mean by that is you don't need to be Working when you need to be praying, amen? And you don't need to be praying when you need to be working. There's a balance there. Pastor, shouldn't I always be prayer, prayer without ceasing? Well, I read in Joshua, where Joshua, he, there was sin in the camp, and what did Joshua do? Joshua got down on his knees, and he's praying, and the Lord shows up and says, what are you doing on your knees? Get up, there's sin in the camp, you know? That's what I read. There's a time to be praying, and there's a time to get up and deal with some stuff. There's a time to work, there's a time to pray. It's a balance. And if you're going to have that spiritual walk, the walk in the Spirit, you're going to have to have a balanced, a balanced life. I've seen this. I've seen this in my independent Baptist circle. I've seen brothers that are so, so caught up in studying the Bible, studying the minute details of the rapture and the tribulation, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they're overbalanced. There's so much on the... On all the doctrine and this, and it's, it's the strange doctrine that you know what they forgot to do? They forgot just to love somebody. 
and to love their enemies. Now, they could quote you and run you to every verse on the rapture, and they could straighten you out doctrinally, and, man, they'd do a good job on it. But, man, when it comes to loving their enemies, they have a hard time doing it. That's being overbalanced. You, 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 it's not, that's nothing wrong with that, but, man, you've got to be balancing that. To walk speaks not only a balance, it speaks to this. It speaks to when a child starts to walk, they first learn a little, they learn to balance, and the next thing they do is they'll take one step in front of another. Walking the Spirit is one step in front of another. It's steps. It's one step. No matter how you're walking, it's one step. Now, you might be walking a little faster. You might be slower, but the principle is the same. It's just one step in front of another. It's one step in front of another. It's one step in front of another. And that's something that sometimes people don't like. Because they're here, and they want to be there, and they don't like it that you, to get there, you're going to have to take this one step at a time, one step at a time. They want to be here, and they want to feel like they're in Star Trek, and they want to they teleport over there. And don't we all want to do that? Don't we all want to like, teleport to some place we want to be up in Dallas, and we don't have to deal with the traffic, and then teleport back home, and oh, I didn't have to deal with the traffic. It don't work that way. It's one step at a time. It's one step at a time. So the walk in the Spirit is one step at a time. And I'm here to tell you, that speaks to patience. The one thing no Christian likes to hear. It speaks to patience because sometimes we can see that afar off. And it, a perfect example for me, when I look out, I go outside this church and I look out there, man, I see those plateaus. Man, there's some of the beautiful, most beautiful scenery, especially in the evening when the sun's going down and, man, just the sky's lighting up. And you'll see that. And I think, man, that's so beautiful. And it feels like, and, and this is how stupid I can be. I'm like, I could just walk right over there to that plateau and, no, you're not walking over there, dingling. I mean, it's, you get in the car, it takes you like 40 minutes to get over there. You know, it, but you, you can see it. I feel like you just walk real quick. It, that's the way a lot of our Christian life is. Life is. You see there's something really good, and you're like, well, I'll just get right over there. And you find out real quick, man, I've got to have patience. It's a walk. A walk is one step right, right in front of another. You know, uh, the world likes to count their steps, amen. When they're doing their exercise, and I think that's actually a good thing. They'll say, well, I'm trying, I'll, I'll, I'll run into somebody, and I'll be walking down, and they'll, they'll say, I'll say, what are you up to, man? Or, I'm just trying to get my steps in. I'm just trying to get my steps in. You know, be walking somewhere. Trying, and they'll, they'll have like their little watch. Let's see, this old wooden watch don't do that. But they'll have this little watch that counts how many steps they took, you know, and they, oh, well, I took, you know, 1,000 steps today. Christians, we're, we're not counting our steps, amen. We're counting our blessings. We count our blessings. It's one step at a time, one step at a time. So it's balance. It's one step at a time, and it speaks that, that, that walk. It speaks to this finally, and then we'll move on. It speaks to pilgrimage. A walk speaks to a pilgrimage, like Pilgrim's Progress. It speaks to a pilgrimage. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read this. Don't, don't turn there because I, I, won't, I won't, don't want to take the time, but Paul's writing here, I believe, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. See, they were walking. They seen it afar off, like I was talking about, and they were walking somewhere and were persuaded of them. They knew they were there. They were persuaded they were going to get there and embraced them and confessed. They, they all did this by faith, faith, and they confessed what? They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Dearly beloved, Peter says, dearly beloved, this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I was teaching on uh, Cain, and Cain was a vagabond. Vagabond means he didn't know which direction he was going. He, just a wandering, he was a wanderer just to wander. We're not wandering just to wander. We're on a pilgrimage. Pilgrim's progress. 
It's we're trying to get to heaven. This ain't our home. We're strangers in a strange land. We're just walking through. And sometimes we forget that. But it is a walk. It's not a stop. It's not a lay down. It's not sitting to rest. It's, it's a walk. It's a walk. It's a walk in the spirit. So I think if we're going to do this walk, we need to do a... First off, we're going to do law of first mention. We're going to find out the first time that walk is mentioned in the Bible. And then we need to do a survey. We need to do a... a, a, There's Old Testament surveys. There's New Testament surveys. We're going to do a walk survey. And what that means is we're going to do a quick survey survey of the Bible. We're going to start in the Old Testament and see how this word walk is used. And you'll find out what it really means. So let's go to Galatians... I mean, Genesis chapter 5. Excuse me. Genesis chapter 5. Let's find out the first time walk is used. Turn with me. If, you, if you're following along, turn with me. Let's find out the first time walk is used. Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. I, excuse, I, you just have to pardon me. I, I apologize for drinking water up here while I'm up here uh, teaching and preaching. This, these allergies are killing me. I've never had so much trouble with my allergies. My throat gets dry real quick. My eyes itch. Nose runs. Genesis chapter 5, talking about the walk. Genesis chapter 5, verse, start there, verse 21 as context. And Enoch, this is Enoch, lived six, 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked, there it is. There's that first mention of walk, and it's a walk. He walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. He walked with God. So you see, the first time that walked is mentioned, you got it associated with God. You get it associated, Enoch is associated with God and a walk with God. And look at verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The first rapture. He just, Enoch's walking with God, he's pleasing God, God just took him, just raptured him out of there. And I'm going to be preaching on that pretty soon, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail there. But you're seeing there that Enoch walked with God, and that's how he was known as walking with God. Another great man of the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Here's how Noah was known. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. So you're seeing this word walk from the very beginning of your Bible is being associated with, associated with God and walking with God and having a relationship with God. And notice it doesn't say that Noah rested with God. Noah stopped with God. Notice what it doesn't say. Sometimes it's just as important to notice what God does, the words God doesn't use as the word God does use. He uses walk. He doesn't use rest. He doesn't say Noah rested with God or Noah stopped with God. Noah stood with God. No, it says Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Look at Genesis chapter 17. Let's look at Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. So I showed you Enoch, great man of the Bible. Noah, great man of the Bible. These are all known. So the next great man of the Bible is going to pop up is Abraham. And notice in Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, here's what the Lord says. This is what the Lord God says to Abram, who turns his name to Abraham. Abram is the name of, of Abram before he's tur- God turns his it to Abraham, the father of many nations. Look at verse 1, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 99 years, excuse me, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, 
I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me. So the commandment that uh, God says to Abraham when he shows up, he says, I want you to walk before me. To walk before me. Now, what I'm about to show you is that walk is not just physically walking. And I believe that Enoch, and I believe that Noah, for sure Enoch, I really believe that they, they literally physically walk with God. I think that God come down and Enoch and God were walking. And there was communication there. But God here, you're starting to see this inference that God is trying to talk about. It's more than just a physical walk. He's going to turn it into this physical walk is what he's relating to a conduct. How you're conducting yourself. How you, how you, you live your life. Because look at Exodus chapter 16. Skip to, go, go ahead to Moses to Exodus chapter 16. And notice how God uses walk here. Exodus 16. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Now this is when, uh, the, the, of course, Moses has brought the nation of Israel out. They're, of course, they're bellyaching, complaining. We, don't, we want to go back to Egypt. And so what God decides to do, is, He says, well, I'm going to rain manna down from heaven. And He gives them the instructions of how they're going to gather. Remember, they're going to gather it up for six days. And then on the sixth day, they're going to gather up twice as much as they need. And if they gather up twice as much as they need, then the seventh day, on the Sabbath day of rest, they're supposed to rest, not go gather it up, and they'll have enough to last them through the rest of that Sabbath rest. And then they go back up. Now, during that day, of each day of the week, when they went out in the morning to gather up the manna, God said, if you gather up too much, it's gonna, worms are going to get, it's going to rot. And it did. If they gathered, like they tried to get stingy, which is what I would do. I'm real stingy that way. I would have gathered up, like, okay, let's get more in. You know, you, you're going to jar it up. When God says, and it did, it rotted on them. They only had to gather up what they needed. And it speaks to a lot of what the Christian life is like. But notice in verse 4 what God says to Moses about this. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. That's that manna. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Walk in my law or no. So you see how they're going out gathering that, and God's using that word walk as kind of a conduct. Are you going to, how are you going to conduct yourself in my law? Are you keeping my law? Are you conducting yourself? Are you, this, and he's using that word walk as like conduct, how you're living your life. Are you going to live your life in my law? Now notice the contradiction. This is the law, amen, and they're told to walk in the law. We're, we're not under the law. Praise God. We found that out in Galatians. Praise God. We're under grace. We don't have to keep the law. The law is a bondage. They walked in the law. What are you told to do in Galatians 5? Walk in the Spirit. It's two different things. Every Seventh-day Adventist is not walking in the Spirit. What are they doing? They're walking in the law. And what is the law? Now that Christ died, what is the law? The law is a curse. You don't want to walk in the law. You want to walk in the Spirit. That is the contradiction. That separates it out. We're a walk in the Spirit, not a walk in the law. Let me show you one more thing in here on this. Look at Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26. Just to hammer this home. If, you, if you're still turning with me, turn to Leviticus chapter 26. Keep on going towards the front. As we're doing this survey, this Bible survey of the word walk. Walked and walked. Leviticus chapter 26. Walk in the Spirit. 
You shall, not you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Paul writes. Now we're in Leviticus chapter 26. Look at verse 3. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. The land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. She's, he's basically telling them, hey, if you do what I tell you to do, you're going to get blessed. But notice he's using the word walk. If you walk in my statutes, brother, sister, I'm telling you, if you just go home and get a concordance or if you've got a computer at home and you want to just write, you know, look up the word walk or look up the word walk, you might be amazed how many times it comes up where God's using it and the Bible's using it in a sense of it's, it's, a, it's the way you're conducting yourself. It's the way you're living your life. We, we, we use it the same way. We, to this day, we use that word the same way. When somebody, what do we say? If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. Amen? I heard guys say it to each other. Hey, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. What does that mean? Hey, if you're going to run your mouth, you better get, you better, there better be some action. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean you're walking somewhere. That might be fighting. That might be putting your money where your mouth is. We all these sayings, but that's it. If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. And the Lord says, when you walk, I want you walking in my statutes. Now, look, look down at verse uh, 21. Same thing. Look at verse 21, same chapter. If ye walk contrary unto me, walking against God. See, he's using that like you're walking against the wind. If you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. Well, I don't like that. Look at verse 23. And if you will not be reformed by me by these things, after he's put all these plagues, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also, this is the Lord speaking, I also will walk contrary to you. I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. If you're walking against me, I'm going to walk against you. It's basically what he's saying. You show you, I'm showing you these verses to show you and to prove to you that the way the Lord's using this word walk, the Lord himself is using this word walk as the way you conduct your life. Look at verses 27 and 28. And if you will not for all this, after he's given all these plagues to him, all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury, and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. Praise God we're not under the law. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, people who want to be under the law, they're, they're skipping chapters 26 of Leviticus. I promise you that. Because God says, you know what? If you go against me, I'm going to seven times bring a plague on you and bring sin. And then if you still won't do it, I'm going to, man, I, God, give me, just give me grace all day long. I, I'll take grace all day long over the law. I, I don't know why. That's why people, they don't know, man. They just don't know. That's why, man, we got the best thing going in Jesus Christ. Thanks to Jesus Christ, we can't have that grace. Now skip ahead to Psalms chapter 143. Psalms chapter 143, the psalmist. Psalmist 143. This is David. Oh, David. This is what David had to write. Psalms chapter 143. Look at verse 8. Now let's, let's apply a spiritual application of this. Let's apply this spiritually. Psalms 143, Psalms chapter 143, look at verse 8. A great, a great psalm of David. Look what, look what David wrote here. Cause me 
Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Amen. You can apply that to the Christian life. Doctrinally, right? Hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. See, it's in the morning. You get up in the morning, you want to pray, you want to try to get close to the Lord in the morning. For in thee do I trust. We, we, do we still have that stamped on our, on our coins and stuff? I think we do, don't we? In God we trust. The question is, which God? <laughs> is it the God of money? Is it the God of the, uh, of the world? Which God do we trust? David says, and of course, it's talking about Jehovah God. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. The way? Who's the way? Jesus Christ. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he said he was. I am the way. And he says there, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. So you're seeing this, when you start applying this spiritually, brothers and sisters, you're seeing this, this it's, it's all, Jesus Christ used the same principle of walk to, to talk about the Christian life, to talk about coming to him. I'm the way, it's a walk, walk this way. Walk this way, walk this way. What kind of way is it? It's a straight gate, a gate something you walk through. That's a broad way, that's something you walk with. You walk that way, you're going to hell, that's a way, that's... And the Bible uses that all through there. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. That's used all through Proverbs. That wrong way, you're going the wrong way. Jesus Christ says, I'm the way. Paul's using that, I mean, excuse me, David's using that, and he's saying, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. You got the way, amen, it's Jesus Christ. Now we got to walk that way, for I lift up my soul unto thee. So you're walking in the Spirit. Of course, the Spirit is one part of the Trinity, amen. That's walking in the Lord, walking in Jesus Christ, walking in God. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So now we've got to start figuring this out, how we're going to walk. Look at Isaiah 30. I'm, I know I'm doing a lot of turning, but we're, we're, we're going back towards the New Testament, trust me. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And then we're going to skip, skip to the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. It's a great scripture here. And this is the Lord God. Doctrinally, the Lord God here is talking to Israel. He's talking about how they're rebelling against him. But he's going to do something for them. And he's, going to do, and he's, want, he's trying to give them some instruction. But look at verse 21. Look what he says here. We're going to apply this to the Christian walk. He says, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. God tells, this is, he's talking to Israel. He says, you're going to hear a word behind you. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. So God's given them a witness that, hey, you're going to hear this. It's going to be a, it's going to be a voice behind you. And you're going to hear it behind you. It's going to say, this way. Go this way. Don't go that way. Go this way. And that voice behind you, he says, what? This is the way. Walk ye in it. Walk you in it. He's telling them how to go. And when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, it's going to guide them. 
Now, brothers and sisters, that's an outer witness. That's because it's behind you. Hey, it's behind you. You say, hey, go that way. The world kind of uses it like you got the devil on your left shoulder, you got the angel on your right shoulder, and the angel on the right shoulder is telling you, oh, don't do that. And the devil on your, on your left shoulder is saying, do it, do it, do that evil sin, do it. You know? And we all deal with that. And we'll get a little more into that as we get into Galatians. But this is the walk. And he says there's going to be a voice behind you. I'm here to tell you this evening that you, they had the outer witness, but you've got an inner witness. You got the Holy Spirit living in you. You got it better. You got an inner witness. They were promised an outer witness. I'm going to tell you, go here and go there. Now turn back to Galatians 5. And let's, now let's tie all this together. You got an inner witness. And you got, it, you got it a thousand times better than the Old Testament saint. Why would anybody want to go back to the law? Why would anybody want to go back to the law if they didn't have it as good as us? I mean, poor Saul. Saul was a king of Israel, and God gave him his spirit. You know what God did to Saul? Took his spirit away. God gave Saul, the king of Israel, the Holy Spirit, and then took the Holy Spirit away from Saul. You know what David said? Take not thy spirit away from me. Why would David say that? In a, he said that because he seen Saul. He saw it happen to Saul. He said, there's another one, and then you took it away. And he said, man, don't take your Holy, the Holy Spirit away from me. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit's never going to be took away from you. The Holy Spirit's living in you, dwelling in you, never to be took away from you. That's a great promise. You're sealed into the day of redemption. Man, praise God. Y'all got, got, got the best thing going. Now go back to Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. I just read this. Verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Amen. So this walk in the Spirit is, what's happening is, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. The Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit is saying, don't walk that way, walk this way. And the, God was promising it to Israel as behind them, like, hey, behind you, go over here, and I go over there. Y'all don't hear a voice. You're being led. You're being led. The danger in this, and I've seen it a hundred times in my life, and I'll probably see it a hundred more times before I kick the bucket and the Lord takes me on home, is I've seen Christians want this so bad they force it. They want verse 18 so bad they force it. What's verse 18? But if you be led of the Spirit. You know, God led me to do this. God, God has led me to do that. God has led me to do this. And then as a Christian, that have been, I've been around, I've got a little bit of gray in my beard. I've, I've seen them say, God has led me to do this. And then, you know, a month later, I'm like, no, I think the flesh led you to do that. God, I know, I, I, you don't think I'm joking around with some of this stuff. God has led me to run off with the piano player. That, no, that, that's truth. No, God has led me to divorce my wife and run off with the piano player. It's happened in many churches. They force it. They start forcing this because, brothers and sisters, this is one thing. This is not going to be very helpful to you, but it's going to be the truth. The Spirit does what the Spirit's going to do, and you can't force the Spirit to do that or not do it. And I'm telling you, I've tried. I've tried to force, like, I want to be holy. I want to be spiritual. I want to be spiritual. I want to feel me. And it just, it, it, the Lord either does it or he doesn't move. You're, the Holy Spirit's in you, amen. 
But you're either full or you're not full, and the Lord does what he wants to do. And sometimes you, you'll be thinking, I know that's what God wants me to do. I know I'm led, and you're not. You're being led by the flesh or by the devil. Christians led by the devil? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen lots of Christians being led by the devil. You believe that? Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter says, you're the Son of God, the Christ. And then, then Christ, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and they're going to crucify me. And what does Peter say? No, get, no, no, Lord, they're not going to crucify you. And Jesus has to look right at Peter and say, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> the Spirit was speaking through Peter and giving the truth of, the whole, of Jesus as the Son of God, and then the devil was speaking through Peter to Christ, saying, you're not going to go to the cross. Man, I've had that happen to me many times. Christians, there's some Christians don't even know. It's, I know, God knows, my wife don't know what's going on, and somebody will come up to me and they'll say, blah, 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 and I'll be like, ooh, that's the devil right there. I don't say it out loud, but I know the devil's speaking to them, speaking to me through them, and they have no idea. You know what's sad about that? I wonder how many times that's happened to me, where I've allowed the devil to use me and to speak through me. You've got to be careful because you'll try to force it. And you can't force it. And sometimes they'll force it so much that they'll start faking it. They'll do fake things to try to be spiritual. You can't be, you can't be, you can't be spiritual. The only way you're going to be spiritual is to get this flesh under control. You can't be in the flesh and be spiritual. It, 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 it doesn't work. Now, sometimes the Lord will work through you when, you, when it's ama at amazing times. But we're talking about that, that, that walk, that step-by-step -step walk. It, it just don't work that way. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start closing up. 1 John chapter 1. I, I promise you. 1 John chapter 1. So I'll tell you a story about me and my sweet wife. I had this couple. I love them. I do love them. But uh, I had gone through my divorce and... Uh, gone through my divorce and, of course... Uh, I was brokenhearted. I was real tenderhearted about stuff, but they came to me and they were helping me out. And I, and I appreciate the Lord sending them my way. I really believe the Lord sent them my way. But uh, one of them was saying to me that she felt like she was led of the Lord to tell me that I was going to marry a girl by a certain name. And that was what was going to happen. I, I'm going to get remarried, and this is the girl's name. And I'm led of the Lord to tell you that. Well, when you're, when, you know, when you're going through a divorce and lies fell apart on you, I'm lapping that up like a dog's lapping up food. I mean, I'm like, really? Okay. I, all, right, all, right, all right, yeah, yeah. And I'm led of the Lord to tell you that. Well, that's the worst thing you can do because that lady's name she gave me, every time I run into somebody, I'm thinking, is this so-and-so? Is this so-and-so? And thank God, praise God, I never run into the lady the whole time it was that by that name. Because if she did, I probably would have dropped my knees. Would you marry me? You know, like an idiot. Well, whenever uh, the Lord led, I believe the Lord led Kathy in my life. I led, led me into her life. We got to know each other. And then, I mean, here we are almost 14 years later. And, I mean, the Lord, it's a beautiful relationship. I mean, we thank the Lord's hands all over it. That's not the name I was given by that lady. <laughs> and my wife knows that. Trust me, I told my wife this story. She don't like it much. Here's the truth is, 
Now that I look back at that, that was, that was wicked. Even if you felt led that way, why would you do that to somebody? Like, I told you all the problems it caused me. I believe that lady was sincere, but I think she was forcing it. So much so that she wanted to, it's almost, I don't want to say power, but it's almost like I want, I want to give, you know, like I want, you know, like it's a control thing or something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But brothers and sisters, I'm warning you. Don't force it. If the Lord gives you something, amen. But you don't force that spiritual stuff. It's out of the realm of physical. But we want to bring it down and make it spiritual. We want to make the spiritual physical. And it's God working through us. It's not you. Amen. And you get these crazy ideas and you start thinking God thinks like you. That's called a straw man God. That's what the world's dealing with right now. These people, they start living their lifestyle. And then all of a sudden they start saying, God thinks just like I do about my lifestyle. And you say, well, I have right here where, what God said about that lifestyle you're living. It's not good. He calls it a sin and an abomination. You're, you're evil. You're evil because I know my God's love and he would never, he, he wants me to live this way. You're evil. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but the Bible says there's going to come a time where you're going to call good evil and evil good. <laughs> this Bible's way ahead of people. You got to walk in the light, or you're going to be in darkness. Now we're at First John, right? First John chapter one, verse five. We're closing up. First John chapter one, verse five. Then this then is a message which we have heard of him, and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, with God, and look at this walk. There's that walk, walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, look at that, walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what we all want in here. Now, notice it's a walk, and it's a walk in the light. What's the light? Jesus Christ said, I'm the light. Didn't it? That's what he said. Right there, verse 5 says, God is light. Holy Spirit is called light, and the Word is a light. Right? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So you got those four things. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word are all light. Walking in the light. You're going to walk in the spirit, you're going to walk in the light. That's walking in God, walking in Jesus Christ. Walking. How do you do that? <laughs> that? That's the question we're ending on. Well, the question is, Brother Pat, Brother King, how do you do that? Well, you got to get this. You better get this. That's why I always encourage you. Read, 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 read your Bible, read your Bible. I'm not telling you how much to read, amen. Don't, tell, don't come to me and say, Brother Keegan told me i, I got to read a three chapters a day or I'm going to hell. I never said nothing like that. All I say is read it. Read it. Read it. Please read it. You, when you're reading it, you're walking in the light. Now, let me, let me, let me explain this to you. Because I don't, somebody, now I'm, I'm going to close with this, and this will help you. I give you all of this survey, but I, this right here is really what's going to help you tonight. 
Walk in the light. Look at John, Gospel of John, chapter 3. And this is where we're closing here, I promise. I know I said that, but this, this is it. Because I want you to read this verse with me, and then this will explain everything. And then, and then we're closing, and I'm closing right here. John, chapter 3, verse 30. Walk in the light as he's in the light. Walk in the light, and you'll not be in darkness. Walk in the light. So the walk in the spirit, or the walk in the light, you've got to keep the flesh down. Right? So to walk in the spirit, to walk in the light, that's when you're walking in the light, you'll not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. So you're keeping the flesh down by walking in the light. Amen? All right, let me, let me say it again, because you've got to get this, to get this whole point. Paul said, walk in the light, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? Notice the order. Very important. I told you I've studied this a lot. The first thing is you walk in the light, and then you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because I want to point this out. Verse 30. John chapter 3, verse 30. This is John the Baptist speaking, and John the Baptist said of Jesus Christ, this is what he said. You need to underline this verse. You need to highlight it. This is what he said. He, talking about Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Here's the secret. It's not much of a secret, but here it is. Here's the truth. Jesus has got to increase, and then you decrease. So the secret is not putting your flesh down. It's walking in the light. It's not saying, getting up and saying, okay, I'm going I'm to crucify this flesh. I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep the flesh down. I'm not going to sin. Hey, we all think that, amen. And then what do we do? We sin. The secret is not waking up and saying, I'm not going to sin today. I'm going to crucify the flesh. No, brother and sister, you wake up and say, I'm going to walk in the light. And if I walk in the light, if I walk in the spirit, I'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He must increase, but I must decrease. He didn't say, I must decrease, and then he will increase. The secret is, he must increase in your life, and automatically you'll decrease. If you're not walking in the light, you're walking in darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. The point is, is when there's darkness, nobody says, we need to make it less dark in here. No. If you want to get rid of the darkness, you turn on the light. You don't start focusing on the dark, amen? Amen. You don't say, man, it's awfully dark in here. We need to less darken it in here. We need to make it less dark. That's not what we mean. What we're really saying is, we're not saying, hey, it's dark. Let's try to see if we can fix the dark. We're saying, no, we want the light. Turn on the lights. Turn up the lights. Hey, you're having darkness in your life? You're having sin in your life? Increase in Jesus Christ. Walk in the Spirit. That's the secret to everything. The secret is not getting up and saying, I'm not going to sin. The secret is getting up and saying, I'm doing something for Jesus Christ. Now, I've been hammering this for like three weeks now. So if your idle hands is the devil's workshop, and that's what happens, is you stop doing, you're not walking in the spirit, you're not walking in the light, you're not doing those things, you're not thinking about the Lord, you're not reading your Bible, you're not thinking on God, you're not praying, and automatically your flesh has an opportunity to do things that's sinful. So you don't wake up and say, well, I'm not going to do that today. You're going to say, I'm, I'm not worried about what I'm not going to do. I'm worried about what I'm going to do. And what I'm going to do is he must increase. It's all about Jesus. 
and then automatically I must decrease. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.